So I'm about to get headed to the beach to finish up this recording and other recordings because I realize I don't really feel like heading home heading home quite yet. Um, I think I'll feel better just being out of the house for a little while. So that's what I'm going to do is be out of the house for a little bit. Um, but I don't want to spend money and stuff. So here we go. Um, it's going to take me a bit to get to the beach. I think I'm about 20 minutes out. I don't really know for sure. Because I don't really drive from Carson to the beach much. I'm um, over in Carson right now. Over by Lee's Sandwiches. And not far from Taco Sinaloa. So. I'm just kind of over here. Doing my thing. And I'm gonna. I'm driving to the beach right now. Uh, so yeah. What I was saying is. Um, the next phase of what I wanted to discuss is about this, uh, um, this issue that we find about, uh, uh, the psychological stuff in this in this movie so you know we're talking about the pope's exorcist movie on netflix so up until the part where you know they see the psychiatrist and have him kind of you know in like a hospitalization situation it seems very temporary like he didn't seem to be there long but they had him hospitalized the the young boy and the son um and so he's you know nobody really knows what's going on and the priest is like well hey shout out taos man got this taos um, logo on the back of his VW. Uh, but yeah, anyways, let's focus. Um, so yeah, they end up saying, um, things along the lines of, you know, that trauma opens the door for the devil or whatever it is um to come in because people are more vulnerable and that was the that was the the part of the quote that kind of stuck out to me more than anything else because they're like well the the cycle the, the psychological treatment wasn't helping all they did was give him a sedative that the mother used once to my recollection uh to kind of shut down his uh the boy's um, extreme uh, reactions to you know how he was just kind of you know out of control basically his possession had him out of control they couldn't really shut him up uh, he was attacking biting grabbing changing into other 
people, uh, deceiving the priests, uh, I guess there was something about, like, if you hadn't fully confessed, then, you know, I guess you'd be more vulnerable to the demons that were possessing this boy to be kind of, like, distracting you, uh, And so there's a lot of interesting psychological and religious content to this movie that I was kind of like, okay, first of all, I'm not, I'm not going to say that psychology doesn't have a spiritual aspect to it, you know, um, emotions, trauma, mood states, um, I do consider those to be spiritual things. I don't know if everybody does. Some people separate it out. I consider it to be spiritual in nature. I don't know what else I would call it. But I think sometimes, too, it can be um, uh, related to, like, physical conditions. Like, physical problems can cause mental problems as well. Um, uh, But it's it's usually combined, right? There's usually this, you know, that's why they always have this biopsychosocial model, but it's kind of interesting that that model doesn't have any, um, it doesn't contain anything about, like, spirituality, which I've always found a little weird, uh, but I know how science gets when it comes to anything that's, like, otherworldly. They don't really want to talk about it, but I think that a lot of times in the psychology world, we do kind of completely ignore that now as a person who lives in southern california as a millennial and at the time that we're in you know as psychology is um becoming practiced more often with more people uh more of the general public is kind of tuning in to kind of uh spirituality and tuning in to just thinking about things differently than what than the methods that we had thought about them before not necessarily that people might actually like oh I believe this now or I'm like converting to some religion or I'm like doing some kind of extreme measure like it's not always like okay ever since the Rona everybody's completely changed their perspectives and everybody's all like religious or practicing some kind of thing with a lot of meditation and all that but you do hear that more Like, I've noticed, you know, from the time that I first got into the psych world and because I started getting into the clinical side of stuff in San Diego, of all places, um, it's very much, very much, you know, there's a lot of uh, importance placed on, you know, what else is going on in the world, Uh, mindfulness practices, a lot of Eastern thought is used not necessarily from a religious or spiritual perspective of, of Eastern spirituality and religions, but more of like the philosophy behind it and like the skills, um, So people aren't really taught to practice Buddhism necessarily, but they're taught like breathing and meditation techniques and things like that. Like most Christians and 
and Jews and Muslims don't necessarily grow up with those types of practices like yeah there's definitely all the praying and stuff and the going into some kind of services and all all that kind of stuff um at a place of worship and celebrating all these like holy days and all those things but you know it's there I know that in you know western society yoga and meditation up until pretty recently I'd say in the last 10 years or so I mean it happened in the 60s 70s as well but if you think about the 50s people weren't thinking about that and like the leave it to beaver days and then people weren't thinking about um yeah people weren't thinking about that in the leave it to beaver days and people weren't thinking about um you know some of these other some of these other um of of discussing you know spirituality and different topics as such like people weren't really talking about it like that so uh, people were talking about spirituality from like a mainstream Christianity perspective and then there were kind of like the hippie types with the crystals and the new age stuff and now there seems to be some kind of combined like psychological theory mixed in with like mindfulness practices and breath work that seems to be more of what we see at least out here in California that in Southern California in general like that's pretty popular um and it does help it's like immediate skills that everyone can use for free um at any time pretty much uh there's not really a lot of barrier to practicing it you don't need a worksheet you don't need the internet you don't need your phone you don't need a computer you know it's just like you got to remember to just do it and practice it on your own and it's not something that's hard to learn it's not something that's hard to kind of make up as you go it's not it's it's you know those are the best kind of skills I think because it's not you know body scans and all that kind of stuff it's not something that you're gonna have a hard time like it might be hard to focus and hard to like initiate it and hard to like remember oh I should practice these skills right about now but I don't think it's hard to actually, like, do it. Like, it just might be hard to, like, keep on focusing or to feel comfortable doing it. But it's not hard to actually, like, oh, I'm going to sit and meditate. Or I'm going to sit and, like, focus on my breath and stuff like that. So, I think a lot of times, you know, the Western Christian religion does look down on yoga and stuff like that. Because they're taught that it's like demonic and all this kind of stuff and meditation like I've always heard I've talked about this before but I've heard like little sentences where people say like oh like if you open your mind during meditation and try to focus on nothing that's when you know Satan can come in and do whatever he's got to do um that's something I heard pretty often and I'm like okay is that is that biblical? Um, I don't think I've ever seen an example in the Bible where somebody was like meditating and then got possessed by it or doing yoga and got possessed by it. Now, I've seen some gurus and people who do all kinds of things and they do some weird stuff sometimes. I try not to judge it because I don't know what it is. So I don't, I'm not the person who 
would be knowledgeable enough to be like, oh, like, do or don't practice these things. But I do notice that there is, you know, there's definitely this um, experience where, you know, some of these people, you know, they practice, like, okay, so people... I'm not trying to get off topic. I'm just trying to talk about what commonly happens in psychology and just taking it from what we actually do in the psychology field, like teaching people skills and then how that differs from the actual religious and spiritual practices that some other people in Eastern cultures actually practice. So uh, uh, now I'm blanking. But I think it was Sadhguru. I think it was Sadhguru. He had this discussion with, I don't remember if it was Joe Rogan, but it was one of the best talks I've heard by him where he was actually talking to someone who was actually challenging him more deeply on things to kind of talk about, okay, give me an example of something that you do. Like, what is the power behind the techniques and things like that? And so Sadhguru starts saying you know, it's weird stuff. He doesn't really like to talk about it with just anybody because he doesn't want to be, like, grouped into a box of, like, weirdos, you know, like, people who are just strange, you know, because the second you start doing saying stuff like, oh, I can heal or do miracles or, you know, saying that kind of stuff, you know, people aren't going to take too kindly to that and they're going to turn off to what you have to say. So that was what I wanted to hear, though. I was like, I want to hear what this guy has to actually say. Because I've mostly just listened to him talk about, like, theories about different perspectives. I'd never, until that point, really heard him actually speak on um, what he does. Mm. Like, what actions he's actually performing. Um, I wasn't too aware of, of that. And so I heard him talking about stuff that it creeped me out. He was like, okay, like he was talking about how I don't remember how he gets into this state, but there's a state that he gets into that he that I guess there's a state where none of none of the doctors could figure out what was wrong with him. And he went to some place where. Uh, there were some kind of supernatural occurrences that people had talked about, something related to the water or the mountain or something. I can't remember, honestly. This was like ages ago. Um, and I wasn't expecting to talk about it, so I didn't go back and review it. But basically, he talked about that and um, how he got healed. And, you know... I think it was Joe Rogan because he was like, okay, well, there could be other explanations for the theories. And he's, and you know, Sadhguru's like, nah, not really. And so they kind of had a little bit, not really like a, a strong disagreement. Like they weren't like fighting. There was no arguing, nothing like that. But he was challenging him on it. Like, okay, well, could it have possibly been that since you went to all these doctors and had been doing all these techniques, potentially that it was one of those types of, you know, uh, treatments that was kicking in to actually now make you feel better and Sadhguru was like nah that can't really be what it was you know for whatever reasons he gave and then um, 
So they kind of had, I don't know if Joe Rogan really, I don't know what his thought on things really were, but he was just kind of challenging it, you know, kindly challenging it. And then they get into this talk about, you know, other types of stuff that Sadhguru can do, other types of stuff uh, that shows, like, the power of, like, these supernatural things that he taps into, and he taps into them uh, by doing his practices, and he mentioned, I can't remember exactly what he mentioned, but I think, and go back and listen to it, don't quote me on this, but I do think he mentioned being able to tune, uh, being able to, you know, control the heat of a person, so he said that they put, like, a saucer or something on top of a person's, like, body. I think it was on their forehead or something. And they were able to control the heat of the person's body by the techniques they were practicing to be able to boil water. And they're like, well, we can't, we don't do it too long. Like, there's somebody who opts into being part of this experiment and they don't really do it too long because they're like we don't want to do any kind of damage to the person's human body but it was stuff like that like they they were there was something that they could I don't know if it was through meditation or breath work or some kind of thing that they could tap into and it could literally control different things that a human could do so that is probably the closest thing I myself have heard of that has to do with anything that sounds like meditation or yoga leading to some kind of uh, experience that, you know, Western culture would call that some kind kind of a demonic thing. But also, Western religion is very quick to say no other religions are right and anything else that isn't exactly in the bible is demonic they're very quick to say that and how you know it's really hard to get away from that style of thinking when that's the way you were raised uh so it's hard for me to be like oh yeah go ahead dabble in all this stuff because i don't know what it is and i know that I myself have had experiences of all kinds when I've practiced all kinds of different things. Now, I also, I, I, I can also say that I think, I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say I've been, like, possessed necessarily, but I would say that I've had time periods in church environments where I've been, like, really bitter and angry and not about anything immediate that happened like I can tell when I'm like tuned into compassion and tuned into love and those types of things and I've had times where I've been tuned into you know just you know anger and gossip and all kinds of things that I would be like that's not Christian like you know, but I don't think I necessarily was getting there from, like, doing meditation or anything. I don't know what, but it's, like, I would say that the closest thing I would say is, you know, if I don't have a self-care routine that I'm practicing and I'm not, like, actively going about my days with, um, 
you know, just like this active, um, like an active experience of, uh, doing what I can to, uh, stay pretty, I don't think I need to call it like staying stable, but like, like actively trying to stay pretty, um, you know, balanced, you know, things can get out of control and I can definitely get into that mindset where it's like, I'm so bitter and, you know, I, you know, I've, I know that I've been around a lot of church environments with a lot of bitterness where people think, okay, because I'm at this church event and I'm talking or reading the Bible or doing the Sabbath school lesson that I've prepared or whatever, they're not aware that they're tuned into their ego with it sometimes. And they're, you know, trying to like put people on the spot and argue and debate, like in a way that's like upsetting people, not just like the kind of like Joe Rogan, let's just, let's just, let's just play this angle of this for a while and see where we go with this like deep thinking on this. It's not like that. It's not like a consensual, let's get into some deep thoughts on this and kind of like, you know, dive into it deeper. It's, it's more like people are angry and upsetting one another and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, like, you know, like I, I don't know if I would call that demon possession, but it's, I don't think it's the love of Christ. I mean, I wouldn't call it that either. So it's kind of like this weird experience that I've kind of noticed happens. Um, even in church environments, I've seen it, you know, I've, I've been in a church. I've talked about this before. I've been in a church where, you know, as a collegiate group, we were trying to play some new music, uh, some music in a service and our church group was joining into this other church group so the church that I was raised at was very open-minded in a way compared to all these other churches that were very like old school um kind of like you know in their thinking and in their actions just very old school not that there's anything wrong with old school but it created tension that's the that was the issue it wasn't so much that oh there were people who were old school the problem was that their mentality created tension and you know they were very closed-minded so it almost reminded me of that Jesus hippie movie that just recently came out um whoa okay I'm at the beach and it looks real weird uh wow the color's different and the tide is really low um this is really weird looking this looks really strange guys the water's got like this brown tinge to it these browns it's not like it's usual like dark green and the waves aren't as big like they're all breaking on the sand pretty much which is not normally how it is 
because uh, usually this is a beach where people surf. You can't surf with the waves breaking on the sand. Uh, this would almost be like a good skimboard day, honestly. Yeah, this would be a good skimboard day. There's like no sets. They're all just, all the waves are just breaking at the shore. That's really weird. I've never seen that before. I've never seen this beach look this way. Anyways, let me stop talking about that. So, okay. So yeah, the church that, the experience that I'm talking about is, you know, with this, with this church that I was a part of for so many years. Um, I talked about it before, you know, imagine you're sitting in a church, you're, you're, let's call it, let's call it 25. I don't know how old I was. And You know, at this point in time, had never really thought too much about, like, not going to church. Was pretty gung-ho about it. Still into the traditions of, of it all. Still going. And, you know, we had a team that played praise music once a month because we were the collegiate group. And I think... I don't think we had a whole praise team set, but I feel like our collegiate group had a special music. Or maybe we had two songs to play. Like, maybe we had a special music and a closing song or something. I don't think we had the the whole set. Like, we didn't play the whole, um, the whole time, I don't believe. Um, so we get there. Um, and after the first song, you know, you know, the people from the church I'm from, people clap. Um, but there are a lot of Adventist churches where you're not allowed to clap, like clapping to the music or even like bobbing around to the music and is considered maybe dancing and all like, there's all these rules that are traditions. It's like, People make them up and then because they get angry about all kinds of stuff. So they're like, let's just make up more rules. So basically, it happens that, you know, we finish the song and some of the people from our part of the congregation, because uh, we're combining churches, but part of the people from our part of the con, our, our original church clap after the song because that's what people do. It's like they, they clap, they're saying amen, all that kind of stuff. And then you know, they're just, like, appreciative that, like, hey, people put in effort and energy to, like, practice this music, and they're trying to be encouraging and motivate people to keep doing it and just show that, you know, there's some enthusiasm and maybe they were touched by the song or whatever it might have been. Like, it's not really, like, for an ego thing to, like, create, like, a sense of pride, but it's, it's more, like, it's more just, like, okay, like, we kind of heard the song, kind of thanks for, thanks for doing, you know, putting in that energy, and it's not easy to be on stage, you know, like, performing and things like that, most people get a lot of performance anxiety, so it's like, it's really weird when after a song, imagine if you did, like, a special music song, say you did a solo by yourself, and then nobody claps, and you just go sit down, like, that would be weird, right, and so it's like, it's just kind of more normal to clap after some kind of thing. And so, you know, I grew up in a church where they did that. And so nobody really thinks about it. Like, we already know there's no drums. We're not going to be clapping in this in this church. Like, 
like when the song gets like pumped up or something and people kind of clapping on the beat like there's none of that like none of that was happening but it's like just after the song people clapping so a lady stands up in the back of the church and is like I don't remember exactly her words so I don't want to like mess it up but I think she's like this is God's house or the house of the Lord and like you shouldn't be clapping and like blow like she goes on she says like two or three sentences but she's loud and we're on the stage and we're like oh like that creeped me out I was like what is this lady doing like what's what's up with her you know like why is she so weird you know that's weird right like it almost doesn't matter what's you know happening at a church you know um for somebody to yell out in the middle of the church if it's not something that's like completely wrong you know what I mean it's like it's a tradition you know it's not a it's not like a biblical you know thing to like not clap or whatever like or to not play drums or whatever like it's not that's not what it is and so it's like I don't understand how people get so bent out of shape and then the next time around you know I because I think we did two songs to my recollection we did two songs so I feel like we did a second song at some point and then on purpose our group there were like quite a few I know who they are but I'm not gonna say who it is but some of our parents and the people who you know whose houses we would hang out in they decided they were gonna clap for us again now that was kind of like a different kind of clapping it wasn't like oh we didn't know this is just how we do things they knew that this lady would be upset about it and they did it anyways and I was like oh and I think she yelled out again but I don't really remember and then people were kind of like I kind of heard after that people are like she's kind of that way that's kind of the way that she gets she gets like this and I'm just like that's weird that there's somebody in a church that just like stands up and like screams about stuff you know it just kind of gets a little bit unhinged in the middle of the service and and she's got a reputation for this I'm like huh you know um that's weird And there's stuff like that that, so it's like, there's stuff like that where I would be like, I question, I I don't know this lady, I don't even know her name, I don't think I could even point her out. All I know is that it was a woman that was from the more conservative side of that church. Uh, She was from the original church building where our church had been renting from this Baptist church on Saturdays because they don't use their church on Saturdays and we had combined to move in with them. Because their, their congregation was so much smaller and ours was big and, you know, it became a money thing where it was like they were a really small old congregation that couldn't keep up with the bills because they've got this nice property that's near the beach and they're very conservative with the organ and the hymns and all that kind of stuff. And then we had our pastor who's, you know, known for wearing Hawaiian shirts and, you know, has drums in the church and a, at that point like a, a young church and uh, very enthusiastic and open-minded compared to them and so we already knew there was going to be culture clashes coming up but you know we didn't know what it was going to look like and then we kind of noticed at that point what it would look like um so to me that was really weird um it was just really strange to see like 
that kind of experience it's not the only time I've seen something like that where somebody was so bitter and angry that they're just like speaking like that and I've had experiences not where I was like standing up in the middle of a, of a, of a church screaming but it's like I've had experiences where I was in a group full of pastors and I've talked about this and I'm not going to talk about it too much but I've talked about this and I remember we were talking it was supposed to be like a conversation and right before this happened you know certain of us were chosen to come and be part of this it was basically a meeting of pastors and people that were kind of like in almost leadership roles or volunteer roles um that were set to kind of approach the church you like approach the church leaders and so it was kind of like a you know there was like sermons going on that we would listen to and then or like prompts going on that we would listen to and then amongst the table of us we would discuss and one of my one of my kind of friends like someone I knew from the church couldn't go so I ended up taking her name tag and then being part of the group because this was in San Diego and I was in San Diego at the time and so the pastor you know was pretty we're pretty friendly like we we shared a lot of the same spaces and time together like he'd let us hang out I was part of a group of people that was friends with him and kind of hung around his house and stuff like that um I wouldn't say that like I mean me and him weren't like homies like that but like you know we kind of like hung out we were like casual like I kind of had a lot of friends like that that it's like I would identify them as friends and call them friends and friendly but um you know um we weren't like in communication always all that often but we also weren't like it was just you know whatever so yeah we kind of just chilled and then um but yeah good relationship with him but yeah we basically uh we talked and we you know we were talking and I remember I don't know what it was but he did tell us he's like he's like don't let these people off the hook you know don't because they want to take it easy he's just like because he was one of those pastors that you know he was young and people already had it out for him because he was serving meat in the church and doing all these kinds of things that other people weren't allowed weren't um okay with necessarily even though again it wasn't against the bible it was against traditions and the Adventist church has a big problem with people breaking their traditions it doesn't matter what the bible says and so you know I remember just being so mad I don't know why I was so mad probably because I was you know like looking back I probably wasn't having a good time um in San Diego because I remember being um I think at this time period I still was because I'm thinking of the clothing that I wore uh back then and I think I came right after practicum once because I used to wear these like Clark's shoes and these like fitted jeans that weren't blue jeans and kind of like long sleeve women's button downs um or like kind of like those pants that women wear to work kind of like work slacks kind of like business attire kind of clothes I used to dress like that more at at practicum uh and so I think that's what I was wearing so I think it must have been one of my first like three years so that means I would have been in that school program and I probably at this point was 
still kind of connected with the church or else there's no way they would have like contacted me to come do this and then it was probably during the time when I was like having that supervisor that was just a total jerk so um I remember being I don't remember the details but I just remember being so bitter and being like you know why am I so bitter like you know like I don't I don't but I don't know there was there was something about um you know the pastor kind of encouraged us and gave us permission to be a little bit you know challenging towards towards these people because he's like he didn't say this word for word but he's kind of like you know they kind of are lazy you know they don't want to think they just want you know no challenges no changes and the whole point that why people didn't like our generation in the church and stuff is because we were probably the first collegiate generation that I can remember uh ever being engaged in the church as much as we were we were like one of the first generations of college students that didn't do things the way other people did where it's like okay let's all go away to like an Adventist college find spouses and then come back married and raise our kids in the church that's how it had been all that time up until our time came um so once our time came we basically had started um you know to do things a little bit differently you know once our time came you know, the economy was different for us. A lot of us weren't really into the Adventist schools because of the, I think they cost like, as at that time, they cost about as much as an Ivy League school. If you're paying out of pocket and the quality of the school is not that of Harvard, like they're not that great. Like they're good. Like, I feel like any university for the most part is going to be decent enough, but it's like, you know, if they've got like a medical school there and all this kind of stuff and you can get like you know, higher degrees, it's probably a decent enough school to get to that level where you have like all those accredited degree options. So they're doing something right, but it's expensive. And so a lot of us were like, not really into the culture of like, living our lives outside of the church, like all the other Adventist um, groups were like, you know, our millennial generation was kind of like, nah, I'm not really up for it, you know, uh, and this wasn't something that we'd have conversations about, but it was just like the trend of like what we were doing. So I think a lot of a lot of these older people and I mean old, like retired, like congregations full of these retired people, fully gray hair, walkers, canes, organs, you know, playing the organ, you know, singing out of like hymnal books with like no technology. They don't they didn't like have like powerpoint set up or they never played movies it was nothing like that it was just like just like a pulpit and the freaking organ and a microphone um you'd be lucky if somebody had an acoustic guitar you know it was usually just piano and organ and people singing with their voices and they they kept it real simplistic which is fine I I do like that traditional style on very rare occasions I'm like I kind of want to go like, I remember being in church, like, on occasion where we would open up a hymnal and start singing out of the hymnal. And me and some of my friends, we loved it. We were like, yeah, I love these songs because they were longer. They made you think because we were like, I don't even know what the heck the song is about because it had all these weird kind of phrases in it. And you're like, what does that mean? You know, and it sounded funny. Like, they kind of had this weird, like, Irish drinking song kind of sound to it. And we'd get all enthusiastic about it. And it's like seven verses of this long-ass song. 
<laughs> you know, that we'd be just like, you know, singing along to it. But it's like, it was rare for us because we didn't sing hymns like that. But we kind of knew them because we grew up like, you know, you kind of, and it has the notes. So you can like follow along. And even if you don't really know it, you can kind of figure out the melody. Uh, I mean, after you're like three or four verses in, you'll probably have the song melody down and the chorus and everything too. You just have to get the verses in and you can read it out of the book. So it's like, there was something about that that I that I liked and a lot of my friends really enjoyed it too but it was just really ridiculous and we were really funny about it but um yeah like I do remember our generation just doing things so differently and not really I don't think we were like consciously doing it this way but we just it just unfolded that you know because I remember our I remember having these conversations with these pastors all the time and they're always like you know your generation this your generation that you guys are never in church and all and we're just like well why the hell are we supposed to come here like what are we supposed to be doing you don't give us leadership positions and you just kind of crap on us all the time or just like you treat us like kids and everybody treats us like crap who's older because they're like finally we have an older status and then we're like, but we are adults. Technically, we're the age of adults, but you still treat us like kids and make us go eat at the back of the line and like sit at separate tables. Like you guys can sit outside. The adults sit inside. You guys have to clean up all the tables and the chairs because you're the kids. And it's like, yeah, but I'm like 25 years old. I'm not a kid. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like they would still treat us like kids because we were the youngest people there. But then also they would wonder why we didn't want to stay when there wasn't anything for us to do and it's like well once in society once you start passing certain milestones you graduated high school maybe you finished your undergrad uh or you're getting into like a bachelor's program and you finished your lower division classes starting some upper division um you know you start getting a little bit like you know when you're a productive person you want to even if you are part of a religion, I think a lot of people in religions don't like to take a passive role. And a lot of my generation didn't like to be just passively, okay, I'm just gonna, what, come here, sit down and listen, and then, you know, ignore all my friends out in the community, because we were also a generation that didn't only have Adventist friends, we communicated with other people, which they also didn't like for us to do that. But we did anyways, because that's kind of how our generation worked. They didn't like us talking to these other people that didn't have the same traditions because it was a risk. You know, we'd bring our friends to church and they didn't like it because they didn't know the rules. So they'd be like smoking cigarettes in the parking lot or like talking about stuff that they, the church might not find holy enough during potluck or whatever. And they'd be like, how are they having this conversation with all these people? And like, they didn't like our friends. They didn't like anything. So we're just like, well, why the hell would I come here? If you guys don't even seem like you want us here, you just want us here so you have something to complain about, really. They wanted the drama. But, um, you know, that was the conversation that, like, when the pastors wanted us, wanted us, they were like, okay, real talk, like, what's going on? Like, why don't you guys show up? Like, what's going Like, we did go to church, though. We went to church all the time, but they're like, why is it that this generation of, you know, once people hit this age, they never come back to church? And I was just like, honestly, why the hell would we like what what are we getting out of it you know we we don't go out on friday nights with our friends from college or friends from other work situations because we're like oh i'm so committed to this religion 
so we don't go out and we do what the religion says and then nope we're not getting anything out of it you know they're not giving us anything you know uh the community of the church wasn't you know providing like safe spaces for us we didn't even have a collegiate class at a so a certain point it was like you know the primary and junior it was like primary juniors um I think there was a high school class and then after that there were these married couples classes I think there was a Filipino class there like you could join any of the classes there's a class for like newlyweds um I can't remember if there was a class for people who had like young kids there was a women's group there was a men's group and other than that we didn't have anything specifically tailored towards our needs or our culture or anything that we kind of could gel with it was just all these people that you know we weren't really too uh connected with that didn't treat us very well either you know they they were kind they would kind of bully and tease and all that kind of stuff and we kind of weren't into it we're just like well you know I'm not really into this style of like doing things but we did have some pastors that listened and they're like you know you're right there is nothing for us here there's nothing for you guys here cuz i remember it was our it was our it was our youth pastor um that you know once all of us got out of youth and were no longer in call in in high school and we had all graduated and we were still going to the youth meetings because we're like well there's nothing else to do and he was the one where we're having this conversation he was like well i hope that once i move you guys don't all leave you know and stop coming to church and i'm like well why would we stay because if he leaves we have no community (laughs) like we're just going to be stuck with these with these old ass people that don't respect us that don't treat us well that try to like crap on us in a way that they they just take advantage of their power because they're in a role at church and they know you have to listen like you're not gonna like be fighting with like the deacon or whatever so it's like they they take advantage of of their position of power because it's a religion too so it's like you kind of have to be extra respectful it's not like it's some public school pe teacher or some somebody that's like you know, if you kind of like, I'm not saying cuss them out, but if you kind of talk back to like your PE teacher, like you're not going to get in as much trouble as if you talk back to the deacon, you know what I mean? Or if you talk back to like the pastor's wife or something like that, you know what I mean? It's like, there's certain people that you're like, oh, like I I can't really have this argument and then have people thinking very highly of me. You know, they're going to be like, you're a problem, you're a problem maker, you're a trouble starter kind of thing. And so, you know, they kind of took advantage of that and would kind of start all this, like, debating and arguments and, like, they'd want to kind of get us all kind of, like, angry about stuff, but then they knew you couldn't really confront them about any of it. And so we had that going on a lot, and there was so much of that that a lot of our generation just didn't interact with them. we just ignore them and just walk away, you know? And there was a lot... It's, it's, it was really toxic. Like, it really was. There were a lot... A lot... There there were mostly great people and really good, helpful, healthy people, but there were quite a few people that were just not very psychologically healthy. And, you know, you could kind of see it in the way that they acted and, you know... It's still, I mean, I bring all that up to say that, like, you know, a lot of times churches will say, oh, like, this other place has this, like, demon issue or this other, like, unholy thing going on. Meanwhile, in their own churches, they have these own, their own situations going on that people just sweep under the rug and don't address. And 
you know, if there's a toxic environment, I often wonder if, you know, toxic, I'm not talking about somebody making a mistake every once in a while, because who doesn't? I do. Everybody does. Everybody makes mistakes every once in a while. But I mean, like, people with toxic traits that, like, they're not even trying to work on it. And, you know, they're not even getting better with, with it with people. And if, in fact, it's getting worse and they're, like, affecting more people with their problems, I consider that toxic. You know, when it's, like, somebody who likes to argue and debate and stand up in the middle of the church and start screaming in the middle of service about some nonsense and, like, disrupting people's peace, you know. And they always do this. And then also, you know, um, the people in charge of the services allow this to keep happening because the person has a reputation and they still let it happen. And it's like, what's going on? You know, I mean, what's going on here, guys? Um, so yeah, I definitely witnessed a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, I've always kind of had it in the back of my mind and wondered, um, you know, Like, what's the difference between that and, like, a, a possession? It, or or having some kind of, you know... I mean, it's hard for me to call something a, a pure, like, demon possession. Um, but I've had friends who believed that they were possessed at one point. At a point, at a place where I wasn't there... Uh, with them but I I believe them I believe that they were uh, I don't know that they like there's nothing that they were doing where I'm like oh yeah they were they were possessed like that I know of but like the way that they described the experience and they have no reason to lie about it and these are really religious people and so I'm like usually really religious people aren't going to be the most likely ones to be like oh yeah I feel like I was demon possessed like that is not something you want on your reputation usually so I do believe the people who I've heard say this I do believe that they were um just by how I'm not gonna even describe it but it's like you know um how people say things like you know they're speaking in a certain voice that they feel like isn't theirs that they're not in control of and you know not only speaking in a certain voice but um um you know, um, yeah, speaking in a certain voice and, like, feeling, like, contorted and eyes rolling back and that kind of stuff, that was just, like, some of it, um, and this is during, like, a prayer, a prayer camp, like, it was, like, a deeply spiritual, religious type of, uh, uh, not camp, not, like, summer camp, but it was, like, a retreat of some kind, and then that was happening, uh, I do believe that potentially that is what that was. Um, and then the people that I knew that were praying, you know, they were learning. It was basically to learn how to pray more deeply and stronger. And that would make sense to me that like, hey, if Satan's going to be trying to pop up anywhere, why not try and pop up at, you know, a, a religious youth uh, place and I think at this time, uh, my friends who experienced and witnessed this, I mean, these are like kids of pastors and things like that. These aren't just like, it wasn't like the friends that were like, oh, maybe they were like tripping off acid and then like went into this prayer. It wasn't those friends. It, 
this was the people that and I'm not saying that like pastors kids aren't touched by demons and stuff like that I'm just saying you know these aren't the kind of people that would likely try to like there's some other explanation where like they might have been on something or whatever like their household and their lifestyle um they actually tried to be very religious and upstanding and I did notice them completely change after that retreat um and a lot of those friends are still quite religious um not necessarily in a bad way like I you know I I don't know. It's kind of weird when you've grown up with people since you were like five years old. It's like you've all grown up together. So it's like it's hard for me to like see my ultra religious friends as and like like I there I don't really bring them around my other friends because of how they are. But it's like I kind of understand that part of the culture because I lived it and I lived around them and we had sleepovers and hangouts like these are people I saw almost every day of my life for decades and so it's kind of hard for me to be like yeah I don't really believe what they said or that they would have a reason to lie about it or anything like that um and even the the impact that it left on them even afterwards for years after that to me is also a sign that I'm like oh it wasn't just like oh I just wanted to be popular at school and tell people this story and you know like it kind of makes you seem like a weirdo. It doesn't really make you seem like popular. Even at a deeply religious school, people aren't really trying to be like, oh yeah, guess what? I got possessed recently. Like people aren't like really interested in in that kind of talk. So um, yeah, I kind of noticed it. Um, I think... So, yeah, I guess that's mostly what I have to say about people, uh, about the psychological stuff, and then taking the psychological into, like, you know, the mindfulness part of psych practices, and then the mindfulness and breathwork parts, and then taking that into the, into how it's not the same as Eastern culture, I don't think, uh, as Eastern religions, and then, like, the kind of example that Sadhguru gave, like, you know, when people in psych teach people to, you know, do meditations and breath work and yoga and stuff like that, it's for, like, mood balance, it's for, you know, movement, breath, uh, muscle relaxation, you know, connecting the mind and the body. It's not to try to do things like boiling a a saucer of water on somebody's forehead with with your meditations and things like people aren't really taking it to that level it's something else so I don't really know how connected those things are and that's something I would like to try to find out but it's really hard to kind of study because it's creepy stuff and um it's really hard to kind of sit and be like oh yeah I want to like you know really like engage with all this content this it's creepy man like demons and stuff are creepy and it's like how do you tell I guess how do you tell if something is related to demons and what the heck are demons um I'll get more into that but 
I need to take a water break and this is getting long. I'm going to end up breaking these up into multiple episodes or multiple segments because uh, it's it's going to be too long. I don't want to make like a three hour long episode. Uh, I mean, I'd love to make a three hour long episode. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think you guys want to listen to it. So um, it'll be it'll be different. But all right. Um, I'm going to get to the next section about trying to talk about more about the Bible and, you know, examples about demons and kind of what I learned. And it's not comprehensive. It only comes from like the Adventist perspective, but it's not too off from other theories I've heard. And I just don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to try to break it all down from a not newly studied perspective and see you guys can see what you think about it a lot of it I might be wrong but you know I can only go by what I've what I've been taught and and what I've studied on my own and this is to me it's creepy stuff to study but also it's like I like it but also I'm kind of like but yeah I'm not trying to like bring any of this to myself you know what I mean so because it is something I believe in I just don't know uh, the details. It's okay. And we're going to get back to a little bit of talk about that uh, movie, The Pope's Exorcist. And then, so maybe go through talking about what parts of that movie have something relevant to the Bible and then kind of what the Adventist religion kind of teaches about demons and like the combination of things like demon, Satan, and the Bible and, and like demon, Satan, and not the Bible, demon, Satan, and the devil that kind of stuff um it's kind of interesting to try to figure out so with that um i'm gonna go into the next segment i'm gonna post these all i think on the same day i'm not gonna make people wait